Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And you've got two of the finest client journalists in the business here. Phil, who's obviously paid off by Gary Hedrington. We know that. I wish I knew who was paying me off for my opinions, but uh, I don't know. I've got a Swinton shirt in the background. That's that's that's, that's new for Mister Kellner. Yeah, um, it's, it's all exciting, Phil, because we're recording this on on Tuesday. Um, we don't know yet what's going to happen with Luke Gale. He is the the most evil person in rugby league, or a victim of a massive conspiracy, depending on who you believe. And and the truth as ever with these things is probably. Somewhere in the middle, because <laughs> he's not evil. I don't believe he uh, went with his studs up to try and take out Johnny Lomax's knee. I don't know what he was doing. I mean, I've, I've been watching rugby league for 30 years. You've probably watched a few more games than I have. Have you ever seen anyone lead with the foot to try and charge down a kick? Never. I mean, I've seen them lead with their bodies, their bums, their, their <laughs> arms, and their heads in some occasions, but I have never seen anybody absolutely stick their foot up to charge a kick down. I guess that it I, I get it, it wasn't a malicious mm. a, attempt in itself to injure another player, but the consequence of that action was that another player was injured. Um, so how that is graded um, is, is deemed with the severity of that incident. The other part of it, which I think has caused consternation in certain quarters, for, for want of a better word, um, is that should he have got uh, additional charges... Uh, levied at him for trying to pick up someone who was um, injured because he felt that they were perhaps making more of the instant than perhaps they should do. And and again, I, I find that the indefensible bit that we've been through this before. We we saw it with Michael McAlorum, I think, a couple of years ago. You you cannot go and pick up a player mm. who was injured and until the severity. Well, the severity of that injury is all that is important at the time. And the medical staff need to come on and assess it, um, uh, obviously decide um, if, if it's worthy of um, the, the player concern being taken off or needing extra treatment, uh, reports back into the referee as to how that works. It's not up to the opposing player 
to make that decision as to how severe the uh, the incident may have been and to pick the player up. For all Luke Gale know, by accident, by accident, he had dislocated Johnny Lomax's knee, a player who has had a number of issues throughout his career with, with knee injuries. Um, and, and, you know, to be cited for that and have to explain your... Um, your side of the story and that to be taken into account perhaps in mitigation. I don't see an issue with that. I don't know why, why we're, um, why we're even questioning it, to be honest. Someone did ask me on social media on Saturday or Sunday, I can't remember what it was, uh, had I ever played the game, which I didn't reply to. I could have said, yeah, it's cool. Uh, what's that? What's it matter? Um, I just called it stupid because it was a stupid decision to lead with your foot into the challenge. I don't, I don't understand where any of the controversies come from. It's an obvious red card. You can't pick people up because you don't know you don't know how injured someone is, as we've seen with more consequences than you know the regular tackle. Players can well, get injured a, from the most innocuous things, and that's the issue with Danny Levy as well. Who um, again, the clip was shown that he barely touched the collar of an opponent who could have been suffering from a head injury. It's quite clear at the moment that oh, you cannot do that. Um, so, you know, you have to accept the consequences of those actions. And I, I don't what I don't understand is clearly we've had a good start to the competition. We've had two decent rounds, one of which was in terrible weather. Credit to everybody. Um, we've had decent crowds. We've had really good viewing figures across a range of platforms. We've now started to turn on ourselves saying that. Uh, oh, it's all, you know, the, the, these decisions are, are not clear and the disciplinary is not in line with, uh, with the decisions that are made. Um, I just think we need to step back from all this at the moment. Mm. We're, we're on a bit of a positive wave. Um, let's ride it, see how long it lasts. Um, I, I genuinely do not understand uh, why people are writing that they reckon they know of people who are no longer going to watch the game because it's gone soft. The game has always evolved. It's always changed. It has to move with the current litigation times. We also have to look at the welfare of players. We banged on about this for as long as I can remember. We talked about, you know, fixture lists and we talked about overload and we took, we, you know, we, we talked about, again, standing people down for longer who've um, suffered concussion, which is happening this year. We, we've highlighted the cases of people like Stevie Ward and um, not only the effects that, um, that, that having head injuries have had on him, but the work that he's tried to do to bring that to the attention of others. And whilst all that is going on and exactly what we should be doing and responding in the right way to, um, the fact that more players of a whole range of ages are suffering from perhaps having played this game. And until that link is finally found, uh, we need to preserve those who do. And at the same time, we're saying, uh, apparently, although I've yet to find anybody, I'm not going anymore because the game has gone soft. When Tony Smith comes out and says, we're probably doing things for the right reason, to completely paraphrase what he said, then but we're probably doing things right because he seems to, you know, have his head screwed on properly. But what, what concerns me is one thing happens, so it means that something else can't happen. So the uh, Connor Wynn sin binning, um, which 
in real time, the referee has to make a decision. But but Hull fans have decided now that, and and the comments from the match review panel suggest that the player involved in the tackle may have unaided himself in terms of the position he found himself in. From you know, if we talk about think the game's going soft, the game's had a problem with players trying to get around rules since probably they were invented. You know, you can think of the famous example in the Challenge Cup final where players <laughs> were Hall of Famer <laughs> used the rules to his advantage. So as well as everyone, oh, it's, it's all Chris Kendall's fault or Luke Moore, Liam Moore, whoever were blaming this week, Rob Hicks. Um, the players who try to influence referees from their actions why, why are we not calling them out, Mon? I'm not saying... I, I've only seen the incident once. I'm not saying anything about Jack Wellsby, but and an interesting decision to make him man of the match when he dropped the ball at least twice from a kickoff, or from kicks, rather. Um, but you know, we, we, as much as this is a pro-referee programme, the players don't help themselves by trying to con the referees. And that happens in all sports. I'm not saying this is a, a rugby league thing. And we've got something else to talk about. That is not just a rugby league thing as well, but they don't help the referees themselves. So how can they expect the referees to be on their side? I don't know. We've always had gamesmanship. Um, and we, you know, you you talk to coaches about their raison d'etre. They, they, they need to manipulate the rules to the best advantage for their team. Um, they've all, you know, that's always been the way with coaches. Um, and that's exactly what they should be doing. Um but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't apply the rules. Um, I think the other thing that we do know is at the start of every season, there is always a purge. And there are always three or four weeks where players get caught up in the purge. And um, they need to learn what the tolerances are when new interpretations are brought in. And it's quite clear that for this year, it's, you know, it's not putting your foot on the ball at the play the ball or whatever it might be, you know, feeding the scrum in the middle. It, it's actually no contact with the head. Um, and I don't know anybody that would say that isn't absolutely 100% responsible. It's what we should be doing as a sport. It's um, the, the modern way of playing the game. It's, it's, it's such that in terms of the collisions, hitting the head now is, is probably um, more significant than it has been. Um, because, in, in, yes, we don't have the biff anymore. And um, we, we've clearly talked about the fact that we're not advocates for ever bringing it back again. I'm, I'm glad that the shoulder charge is now outlawed. Whatever some may say about it, it's changed the nature of the game. You know, have, having 13 players when we used to have 15 changed the nature of the game. The, the game will always change. But the um, I think the fact now that because the teams are kept so far apart and because there's this constant interchange of forwards off the bench where by momentum tends to not be lessened uh, or intensity more than momentum, then when there are collisions that involve hitting the head, they have far more impact than perhaps even having a fight used to have in the old days when, um, you know, in, in some respects, that that was part and parcel of a pack getting on top of the other. Um, I, I, you look at people like Tom Johnson, David Fusitua, um, the fact that, you know, they can't come straight back in after they have head injuries. That, that's telling you that the wingers are now being told to take the ball up in the first or second tackle often in a drive. And they are being hit by 
the big forwards. Um, and it takes a huge toll if somebody gets their timing slightly wrong. And, and all this, we don't want the best players to be sat on the sidelines because uh, we haven't uh, exercised our uh, due diligence in, in the sentencing. I don't want the best players on the sideline because they've got concussion for three weeks or they're in danger of having their careers ended prematurely. I mean, we, you know, I, I, I don't think we, we need to highlight anyone who said anything um, in, in the media space, um, perhaps defending players who've been um, offered particular sentences or referees who maybe have been seen to perform in a certain way. I just think we need to jump off this before it becomes um, you know, a bandwagon that takes over the sport. I, I, there is so much to talk about that is good. Um, just accept this for what it is. It's the next phase of development of rugby league. And I don't think there are a whole number of people who are not renewing season tickets or not going to games or not watching on television because they think the game isn't what they think it should be. That's always been the case. It always will be. And at the moment, it, if anything, attendances and, and viewing figures actually look more promising than they have than the last couple of years. Those are the, uh, the they're the, the rugby league equivalent of the Legion IT fans who wouldn't go when whoever they didn't like as owner was in charge, including uh, Mr. Bates. Uh, but as soon as they win, uh, they'll, they'll be straight down there, straight down there, Ellen Road, and straight down Henningley, the MKM Stadium, whatever Wakefield's called these days, the Jungle, etc., the AJ Bell. Um, I, I just, I, I, I still can't believe that people do not see one of their early retirement of one of their peers in Stevie Ward and not think on. I just, I just, it just doesn't, doesn't compute that you can't add two and two together and get four, which on this occasion you actually can, but and, well, and there I'm, you go. I haven't looked into it, but I think both of the issues um, that the head knocks that Stevie suffered weren't particularly deemed at the time as foul play. Mm. Um, you know, they were part and parcel of the game. I, you know, I think, um, there's something to do about the, the length of time of recovery from a concussion. Um, there's also something to do with, um, I don't think he, again, I can't remember if, I don't think either were sin-binning offences at the time for the people. I mean, one was a friendly, so I'm, I'm pretty sure that wasn't a sin-binning. Um, but look at the implication of, of those actions. And, and if we need to, to make sure that at the start of the season, that, that is not going to be acceptable um, and there is a, a distinction between careless and reckless and deliberate and all that kind of thing, then, um, you know, we let's just put up with it. I, I think, I, I don't know if it's been confirmed or not, I've just been trying to look while I was speaking to you. I think Luke Gale might have got five games. Um, so people will be upset about that as well, because uh, he's appealed and got less than, what are you, it's not, fr not frivolous, not frivolous, but I don't know. But, you know, I... I <sighs> it is what it is. I, I don't have a problem with it. I really don't. I think in hindsight, what Luke will regret more than anything is not necessarily leading with his foot, which may have been partly instinctive. I think he'll realise that uh, clearly if you do make contact, that's why you're up before the beak. But that he, he'll know in his heart of hearts that he should not have put his hands on another player who was seeking treatment. And if that ends up with five matches in total, if that's what it is, it hasn't been confirmed yet, but that's the rumour. Um, so be it. The next player won't do it. 
It's um, I, I I wonder if players do that because they want to convince the referee that the player who they fouled is not as injured mm. as they think, so they don't get Absolutely. as harsh a punishment, which is a well, daft thing to do. And I also, again, I'm I'm not going to speak for Luke. I'm not going to look into his mind, but I suspect he knew when it had happened that there was a danger of him getting sent off, and that one of the ways, again, he he tried to. Um, uh, assume before that decision was made that it wasn't that serious was to try and make out that the player he'd made contact with wasn't injured but I think all he's done is he's you know he's heaped more upon himself by doing that and the and idea regret doing it the idea that sending a player off means the referee ruined that game when you just have to look at the scoreboard you just have to watch the game itself and Hull six and Helen's 38 St Helen's I, I said someone didn't have to get out of neutral, let alone first gear to win that game. Hull handing them chance after chance after chance. And St. Helens being the champion side, they are won very comfortably. If people turned off because of uh, uh, Luke Gelby sent off, they turned off because the game was a, a non-contest by half time. I, I don't think anybody turned off. I, I, I mean, I think there, are, there were two things that struck me about the game. One was um, the absolutely sensational tribute to Johnny Whiteley beforehand that was not only magnificently put together by the whole club um, to do him justice, but was reflected in a national sporting channel. Mm. thought that was, that was really important that, you know, Channel 4 was exactly the right vehicle for people to understand how important Johnny Whiteley was to that city. So with the greatest respect to if that had been on Sky or Premier, those who would have known would have seen it, but nobody who didn't know would have come across it. But the fact that it was so poignantly and beautifully done and reflected on a national channel in front of over half a million viewers was fantastic. Um, and I think if nothing else comes out of that afternoon, then um, it, it, you know, it's wor- worth uh, everybody watching that back because it was, it was magnificent. The other thing is in those conditions, if you are down to 12 men, there is a way where the conditions can help you that yes, you do have to go a little bit conservative and um, yes, perhaps you you play to your strength, which is uh, keeping the ball very tight for five drives and with a kicker like Josh Reynolds, booing it as far down as you can and putting in a decent chase. I'm not sure Hull did that enough. I, I don't think they played the game as well as they could have done when they were down to 12 men and they must have looked up and thought, well, what might help us is it's going to be difficult to handle a ball in this weather. If we can keep Saints where we need to keep them, um, you know, it it might not end up being 38 points to six. Hull weren't good enough to do that. By the same token, Saints kept playing. They did keep offloading the ball. A number of times it stuck. Um, there were a couple of tries that I think Brett Hodgson would be extremely annoyed about that were they were far enough out when they were constructed that um, at least somebody should have. I mean, this, the Matautia one springs to mind. I thought he was actually man of the match, had a wonderful game. Um, but, you know, there were three or four occasions where he could have been stopped, um, but wasn't. So I think I think Hull will look at that and go that, you know, the, the, the disparity between the teams, even in those conditions and even in a man down, w- was exemplified by the scoreline. Saints were that good. Hull weren't. And um, I think no doubt we'll talk about where everybody sits at the moment and all the results and who's who's in crisis after two weeks and who isn't. And 
All I would say is those teams that have suffered either suspensions and or injuries are not as high up the league as to those that are naming unchanged 21s every week. And as Saints are one of those teams, they're by far the best team, the benchmark team. But at the moment, they're not having to make too many changes to what is already a winning lineup. So Josh Sim comes in, um, you know, and, and, and is on the end of some really good work that was is just the way St. Helens play. But apart from that, nothing's really changed from week one to week two. Huddersfield have had a really settled team. Wigan again have named an unchanged team for uh, their game against Huddersfield this week. Um, Salford seem to be picking the same players in the key positions. Warrington haven't um, haven't had everybody on board that they would have want. Clearly, they've had a couple of um, very important players um, affected by the disciplinary. But more often than not, they're picking from strength. You then start getting to the likes of Catalan, who have got, what, five props out at the moment? Uh, again, some of it's self-inflicted because it's for disciplinary reasons. But, you know, when, when your team is a forward-dominated team to get control and five of your pack are missing, it's going to affect your consistency. Um, Hull clearly have got more injury, I think, coming out of pre-season than anybody else. Um, you know, Leeds, again, a lot of injuries. Hull KR not been wanted to pick the team that uh, that, that they'd planned to. Castleford without Danny Richardson, and uh, they, would, they would built a lot of pre-season around their half-back pairings. And, and Toulouse can barely get 17 men on the park at the moment. So the only team I haven't mentioned is Wakefield, because I thought they were brilliant on uh, Saturday in defeat um, in Catalan without six players. Yeah, we've got two points on the moral uh, league table, so that, that's good news for us. Um, Luke Gale, five games, it's confirmed by the club, so there you go. Um, people can moan about that now because it's not eight or not four or whatever. So, But that's a big chunk of Hull's, um, well, I, I'm going to say salary cap, I don't know if he is or not, but a big chunk of Hull's pre-season plans will have been built around their captain. And there he is, he's missing for the next five games. And and whether it, the, the length of the season compared to the ban is irrelevant. He gets banned for what he gets banned for. Um there was a uh, tweet this morning from James Gordon of Love Rugby League, and he mentioned in ice hockey they very explicitly explain why players are being banned. Now, I know the RFL do on the website, but you have to go searching through a bloody PDF file or doc or something to find it. If they did some nice fancy graphics, I'm sure there's someone at the uh, wherever Red Hole lives these days who could knock some up. I'm sure, you know, just something they could do. In, inform, information and more of it never does any harm, but you're not going to change prejudice. No. It, it doesn't matter if it was all singing and dancing and, and flashing lights. Uh, those that don't want to uh, believe will never believe. Uh, we're, we're further down the line than we were in that um, decisions are now published on the website. They're, they're, they're not that hard to find if you want to find them. It's disciplinary section on the RFL website. Um, I still think there is a case perhaps for opening up the disciplinary hearings in this day and age to have them even live streamed, put them on our league. Um, yeah, I think there is a, 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 probably a, an audience for that. Um, I'm not sure I'd want to sit through a tribunal. but um, And then if you, if you had a complaint about something, you could see it in front of your eyes. And um, uh, all of these stories, uh, again, without wishing to 
um, contest anybody writing anything because they, they they should. It's you know if it's a newsworthy piece, it's a you know, it's a newsworthy piece. Everybody's looking for an audience these days. But I I just think the the important thing, um, you know, it, it it cannot be about anything other than the health and safety of the players. And anything that jeopardises that, I'm not sure you're on safe ground. Either the assumption that every referee has a an ulterior motive. <laughs> I mean, if you if you genuinely are into conspiracy theory in that way, then um, I'm not sure that's the essence of any sport. Um, be a passionate fan, absolutely. But if you if you honestly are looking at the refereeing appointments and deciding not to go to a game, I'm really not sure sport is for you. Um, I, so that's one thing. I, I, you know, I think the other thing is if you if you think that the disciplinary process, which is made up of independent people, be they ex-players, judges, um, whoever, if you don't think they're independent, then again, I suspect you know you you the tree that you are barking up is perhaps the wrong one. And you also can't compare. Uh, a late hit, a head-high tackle, picking someone up off the floor, fouling abusive language to a match official, and racism and or homophobia and or whatever, uh, because they're completely different crimes. Yes, they have similar punishments because this is the sphere we're in. You, the, the, you, you can't take someone's car away from them or something or or force them to drink the whole KR, uh, the whole, whole KR, apologies, whole KR, whole FC stadium soup. There are some, only so many punishments you can have, but I don't know. Everything's a conspiracy, and everything's against something. I mean, Wakefield got fined ten grand today by the RFL, so you know I'm I'm, I'm marching on down to Red Hall and then getting kicked out because I don't live there anymore with me banners. Well, you, you can have your teeth whitened while you're there. I mean, as uh, Bullock Shed said on uh, Twitter, we're just going to. Uh, so we should have said to the RFL, we Wakefield should have said to the RFL, "Oh, we'll have a COVID awareness day and uh, you know." do some marketing or something. When are the Bulls doing that, by the way? Um, outside of uh, Hull and St. Helens, um, Salford, who are the best team in the country at the minute because they beat Toulouse 38-12. Oh, no, they're third in the table. I beg your pardon. 38-12, third in the table. Ken's here with four tries. Obviously, it's nothing's changed from Toulouse than in week one. They've still got the same problem of not enough bodies. As, as you mentioned last week, it's the same as Toronto had at the start of at the ill-fated 2020 season. They haven't got enough bodies, and not necessarily of their own making on this case, but they've still got to find some from somewhere. I think there's a real concern that they've now admitted that they're an impasse with Mark Carella and he's not going to play for them again. Um, I would have liked to have seen him in Super League, and it's possible that another Super League club may well decide to, to take a punt on him. But um, that is a shame. Um, He'd he, he, you know, been such an asset in the years moving up the leagues. He, it's almost like, you know, he, he got to touch the golden chalice or, or Icar- he was Icarus, wasn't he? He touched the sun and then it melted him. Um, for whatever reason, he isn't going to play for them. And that is a shame. Um, no, I, I think um, the, the main thing about Salford's start to the season and Paul Rowell has been absolutely honest and saying, you know, we're, there's no way we're getting carried away. Um, they scored the same number of tries at Castleford. They had an excellent goal kicker in Mark Sneed to get them over the line there. Um, they played a Toulouse team that uh, um, their first trip over here in, in Super League with 
missing some players who they'd expected to have in monsoon conditions. And um, Salford played in a very attractive brand of rugby to, to, to win that game, which on paper you would have said they would have been favourites to win anyway. So they won't get carried away. But I, I think what was I think what was encouraging more than anything for Salford is a crowd of 4,000 for the first home yes. game in, in an afternoon where you could have swum to the AJ Bell Stadium. Um, our, our good friends, uh, the Carters, were, were posting monsoon-like pictures of uh, of the rain as it teamed down, and in those conditions, no matter who you're playing, is is a is a fine reward. Four tries is is great. It's a confidence thing. Um, the longer you go not being beaten, um, you know they'll go to Hull this week, who have got all the the issues of um, you know appealing and Luke Gale's sentence and. Um, players queuing up to get into the treatment room and they'll genuinely feel that, that Salford, they'll feel they can win that game and there's no reason to think they wouldn't. And if they've got three out of three, then suddenly they're motoring, aren't they? They're, they're at the end of the table where you know, they've got a bit of leeway and uh, and they can plan looking upwards rather than down. The the other non-televised game was on Saturday afternoon, Huddersfield uh, beating Hull KR 26-12. I've not seen any of the highlights from that one, but obviously uh, Huddersfield's good start to the season continues because they're second in the table, so they're the second best team in the country. So uh, Hull KR will be slightly concerned, uh, again, with their start, but again, the, the credit's got to go with uh, the Giants and Ian Watson's men. I think Huddersfield just seem a bit more comfortable in their skin this year that uh, they all know what is trying to be achieved. They, they know the Ian Watson way. Um, he's recruited in the style of the way he wants to play. He's made some selection decisions already that that show that, you know, th- bringing in Theo Farge and Tui Lola here, that he wants to control games. Uh, you know, it, it, it possibly won't be expansive first. It'll be a bit of percentages, a bit of territory, a bit of doing the one percenters. Chris Hill gives them all of that. that that's what he was renowned for at Warrington and and it's working in these initial stages you know it, it's it, full credit to them and and if they do get I mean I think they had five and a half thousand people sold out all their corporate which is not something that they, they they've done that that often before on a Saturday afternoon um, which again is is not often an ideal time for for rugby league with with the weight of other sport that's around well, they've got off to a good start. There's a positivity about them. And, and their game at Wigan on Thursday, which is another one that isn't going to be televised, uh, the t- two unbeaten teams, um, I, I think that's fascinating the way things are shaping up. I, I would ask why they're playing on the Thursday, but I, I'm, I'm not that interested. Because um, Wigan Athletic are playing on Saturday. Wigan Pathetic, right. Uh, and there can- has, to be, has to be 48 hours, I think, if they, or, or if they can be. Um, Catalans beat Wakefield on the telly. If I were, uh, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I tweeted that I thought it was a strong uh, coaching decision from Willie Perkins to drop Kalebi Tanganau, who's been undoubtedly Wakefield's best player for the last, well, three years since he arrived at the club in 2019. Um, so to be dropped after one game was an interesting decision. Um, lots of conjecture about who was and wasn't there for whatever reason. The club says they're injured, they're injured. Um, I wouldn't play them this week against St. Helens. Give them if, if they're injured, give them more time to rest because I don't think any of the players who went out there on Saturday did anything wrong. Thought they all tried their best, nearly got a win. Some great play from Tom Johnston for his tries. Uh, as I've said a million times before, 
I wonder how good Max Jarrett would have been had his progress not been stunted by bringing in the likes of Scott Griggs, which I never understood at the time because Jarrett appeared to be ready, but I'm not a Super League coach, so what do I know? But he's the real deal. Um, you know, I mean, it's the advantage a Saints have, isn't it? Is they can bring young players into a, a winning side. You don't have that same... It's a different kind of pressure if you're a team at the, the bottom end of the table. I understand that, but... Uh, Selavi actually was uh, a superstar again for Wakefield, and the Catalans got the win. And you know they'll they'll be pleased with the result, not necessarily the performance, perhaps. But as you say, they, they, with the number of players missing through suspensions, and they've got that of course to continue. Getting points on the board is the most important thing for them. I think um, going ten points behind early on, I, you'd fear for Wakefield in that game. So it says a lot about what Willie Poaching has bought already to that side in terms of. Uh, togetherness, that not only did they not capitulate, but had the game gone another 10 minutes, there's there's a chance they could have actually won it. Um, and I think he glossed over deliberately the fact that there was about six players missing who mm. um, had played the week before. Um, and I, I, I think we all know that the issue behind that was were they or were they not vaccinated? And the club may, may, may not want to say, and that's entirely their right. But uh, clearly, the you know the, the laws as they currently stand in France are different to the laws here, and you cannot be let in the country if you can't prove that you've been fully vaccinated. And um, you know, the, I, I suspect that some absences were for that reason. Um, but the players who stepped in um, were fantastic. You know, um, James Batchelor in the centre, out of position, it was was in, incredibly good. Once he got attuned to the positional side of his game, you know, the, the, I think the, the desire that the, the Wakefield team showed um, was perhaps something we haven't seen over the last two or three years, which is um, no disrespect at all to, to Chris Chester, but it looked like a team that wanted to be out there and fighting for each other. I think you're right about Max Jowett. I think he's been invested with confidence. I, I suspect that, with having Franny Cummins on the um, the, the coaching team, who's, who's obviously played a lot of his career in, in fullback or switching between fullback and wing, um, he can help Max Jowett. But clearly, the talent is there. Um, but I, I I just thought the you know the, the forwards they ju- they just look like they like each other. <laughs> They've got do, do you know there are some teams where you can tell that you know. The guy next to you has to, you have to invest total and utter trust that he is going to do his job. And sometimes you can look at defensive lines and go, he may have left that for somebody else. Um, I got the impression um, that Wakefield were, were in it together uh, and, and made all the right noises, um, showed a degree of disappointment to not come away with a win, which I think we, when we predicted. Um, any of the results the week before as we were forced strong arms to doing. Yeah, no predictions today. No predictions none at today. all by that Schofield chap. I think we all went Catalan, didn't we? Or did you go away? No, I went Wakefield. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I don't think that was on form, was it? No. That was blind loyalty. Um, great performance in defeat. I know you get nothing for it, but um, what Wakefield seemed to be doing at the moment, I'd be heartened by. Um, Leeds are in crisis apparently um, because they've lost okay. two in a row now. That's what that's what I, and Castleford. Um, so Leeds lost to Wigan. 
I didn't see this because I was out on Friday. 34-12. It's not as if Wigan are a rubbish team, is it? And obviously they were uh, impressive enough in week one. Um, Jay Field, Jay Field with the hat-trick of tries, the star performer. Um, Are you concerned, Phil? Have the wheels fallen off at Leeds already two games into the season? I mean, I know the answer, but you know. Yeah, of course they have. No. (laughs) Um, I, I do think that the way Wigan performed five minutes before and 10 minutes after halftime completely turned the game. Um, and they've got now in their armory pace uh, and they've got a coaching system that wants to utilize that pace, which is fantastic. Um, you know, who knows what difference it would have made last year if field had been fit, but clearly um, he is an, an absolute out and out danger anywhere on the field. If you give him an inch, um, and Leeds won't be the only defence that find that this year. When you add Bevan French into that mix, who uh, yeah, is back, um, it'll, it'll, they'll have to assess uh, his fitness levels because clearly, um, you know, he's, he's, he's been at, back in Australia um, looking after his mum for, for a while. And um, I, quite rightly, the last thing on his mind should have been being Super League fitness ready. But you stick him maybe in the centres and, and leave field at fullback and, and there's threat. And, and and they are now learning how best to use it. John Bateman is is back to something mm. like we would recognise as his best. Um, I think Tommy Luluai was sensational on uh, on Friday night. His condition suited him, uh, but again, uh, it, it's no coincidence that Harry Smith isn't featuring at the moment. They they're playing a slightly different way, and it's working for them. Um, yeah, they'll be really pleased with the start they've had. I've been immensely impressed with Matty Pete and everything that he's he said and re-engaging with the crowd and the community. Um, yeah, Leeds, again, have just got too many players out at the moment who are very important to them. And some of that is of their own making because they're suspended. Some of that is injury. Obviously, Richie Agar now is, I think, gone for three months. Richie Myler, uh, not Richie Agar. Richie Myler. Richard Agar's okay as well. As we yeah, know. he's fine. He hasn't gone on holiday. No, he's fine. Uh, Richie Myler out for, for three months, which which is a blow. Um, a fussy tour and Newman aren't, aren't back this week. So, yeah, they're, they're doing it a bit tough, but, uh, you know, Reese Martin on compassionate leave. There's, there's all manner of reasons why um, even the, again, they wouldn't admit it, but the week before against Warrington on a short turnaround, Leeds had played the majority of the game with less men in sapping conditions. Not a huge surprise that at, at points in the Wigan game they've run out of some energy. But um, no, I, I, I'm, I wouldn't be concerned. I think, um, you know, you, you can't laud the fact that there are kids coming through and then occasionally misfire because you've got kids in the team. I, I, I saw some people criticising... Liam Tyndall, because he got caught by Jai Field when Leeds were 6-0 up and that could have changed the complexion of the game. I'd love a young winger that is prepared to go on the outside and see how far he can get. It just so happened that Field was was quicker and read the situation well. But no, I'd, I'm I'm not overly concerned. If Richie Myler ends up on Channel 4 for the next game, we're, we're calling nepotism. We're calling nepotism on that one. Um but just on that whole Saints game, I'm sure that um, Leon Price didn't pick Jack Wellsby as man of the match. I thought he picked somebody else. But maybe I, I wasn't I, I wasn't listening close enough. I don't know. You've got to listen to the commentary. It's, it's all, all much of a muchness. Um, Commenta- commentators needs yeah. to be good. He, he's all right. Um, in the Dow Powell derby, 
Um, and, and there's an offshoot to this, which comes up later, which is quite an amusing aside. Um, Warrington beat Castleford. Um, and now they are in crisis. Castleford fans have already turned on well, Castleford fans. Some have already turned on Lee Radford, which again is ridiculous. You made, you made the point earlier about um, Ian Watson at Huddersfield and it took them a year perhaps to get used to his processes, trust the process. It doesn't take overnight for you to go from Daryl Powell's style of football to Lee Radford's style of football. Um, and as you mentioned, much like they have for the last couple of years, unsettled in the halves again. All plans around Danny Richardson and then he gets injured in the first week. So I'm not saying that uh, Wynton didn't deserve their win, but there are mitigating circumstances for Castleford already. And uh, But it was a good win for the Wynton Wolves. And, you know, who who knows, perhaps, you know, so on and so forth. Wizzy Rascal. It's brilliant, isn't it? Well, um, I mean, what was everybody talking about after that game? They were, you know, Castleford fans clearly were talking about uh, casting crisis. Warrington fans were clearly claiming that they were going to win the. No, nobody was saying reading too much into it. But what we were all talking about was the fact that a young lady in a uh, a Formula One uh, simulated car had got over what two million views. Do you know what's brilliant? And and this is the offshoot I was great getting into. So you've opened the door now. Um, when we were at um, Hunslet on Tuesday, the, the story broke about uh, Ollie Wilkes and Jamie Apton saying they took performance-enhancing drugs in their career. A, I don't know why the story was timed at that point, why ITV picked up on it when they showed no interest in rugby league whatsoever. Um, Is it because they've got the Six Nations? Oh, that was I, a conspiracy theory. You'd have to be extremely naive to think that no one involved in professional sport, not just rugby league, takes performance-enhancing drugs, because of course they do. It's, you know, we talk about players getting an advantage in sport from day one. This is another advantage. One of the, the things I remember from my childhood is Ben Johnson winning the Olympics with his arm up in the air about five miles ahead of everyone else. As it turns out, just about everyone in that race was on something, and he was only got pinged for it, and some of them didn't get criticised. So hilariously this story comes out oh and i assume that the uh, the assumption was oh everyone's going to talk about everyone in rugby leagues on drugs after this as it turns out we're talking about a kid in a car at warrington which has completely blown it away mm-hmm. um, that's not to say that there isn't an issue with drugs of course there is there is in every sport but no more so in rugby league i, I believe with no numbers to back it up than any other sport um why those two players chose to speak i don't know um what what I, I do find massively hypocritical as a sport is we can't say, oh, well, Oliver Wilkes and Jamie Acton are evil, but his Tyson Fury saying rugby league's great when he has been banned in his sport for taking performance-enhancing drugs before we get into anything else. So we can't have it both ways. But I just thought it was very amusing that all the publicity you thought would have been negative out of that story on Wednesday was completely blown away by a kid in a car, and I don't care whether it was set up or not that she drove past or not. I don't care because it's funny. It was on the BBC News pages of their website, not the sport bit, the news, because they have silly stories like that. And the cut through of the drug story has not worked because everyone's talking about a daft thing that happened before a match. And that's brilliant. I love it. And it is also the state of the world that we live in at the moment that... um... Yeah, people are looking for what is it, that one and a half minutes of instantaneous social media type <laughs> entertainment. None of us expected it. You know, if it was staged 
again, my hat is raised to the people at Warrington and if, like it was to those at Hull for the dignified manner in which they sent off one of their greatest ever players. This was the the opposite <laughs> end of that scale, if you like, that, you know, if you want to get the message across that Warrington are a fun-loving, progressive sort of place where if you're anywhere near, you might want to pop in because you're going to enjoy yourself whatever the 80 minutes of the rugby is going to be. Great. If they told her to drive past, apparently they've got other things planned, which is, you know, fantastic because as soon as they, they're going to roll her out, then, you know, maybe the stig's going to be there. I don't know. Whatever it might be. Maybe Top Gear's going to come from a Warrington home game because um, a lot of the presenters are from that part of the world. Fantastic. Whatever it might be. Um, but I, I don't see... Um, I see a lot of clubs doing a lot of innovative things. We saw Dewsbury do it on their social media this week with um, get, getting the name of a, a Winter Olympian that was very, very close to their team name. You know, fantastic. Uh, the the guy who goes around rating food, who apparently is massively a popular massive social yeah. media presence. He was at Hull giving their, their street food 10 out of 10, which, again, all of that adds into the fact that we are now on Channel 4 and we are on Premiere and um, the viewing figures are up. It, it's the curious as much as the committed. And and what Wizzy Rascal did was gave everybody a laugh, gave Sky the opportunity to spread beyond a paywall, gave lots and lots of people um, the chance to comment on something that's rugby league related they wouldn't otherwise, and have heightened their anticipation for the next time it happens. So, Fantastic. Yeah, we can talk about the fact that Warrington were too good for Castleford. Um, Cast clearly haven't yet settled into the way Lee Radford wants them to play. I'm not sure Warrington have hit their straps yet under Darrell either. I think it's relief that he's got that first win on the board, particularly as uh, the fixture planners gave him his two old clubs for his first two games. Um, yeah, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about a young girl. In a car, smiles on faces. That's what it's all about. And also the fact, the fact that clearly James Child wasn't in on it if it was planned, (laughs) and his reaction was priceless as well. Just looking at his face as the car not only went past once, but but went past twice. Uh, Stefan Ratchford, if he knew, was was brilliant because he he obviously played to the putting his hands out to get a ball that wasn't there. And the fact is, he's just about to kick off in a, a really big game. So if that was all stage managed. Even better. Um, yeah, uh, wonderful. Just, just, just great. Um, what, what a week it was for Lee. They won twice. Uh, they beat Brentford on the telly, which we knew about because we were on the show last Tuesday, and then they hammered York in apparently mm-hmm. terrible conditions on um, Sunday afternoon. Forty points to four. Big win for the Centurions. Um, obviously, they lost a Fev in week two, but great start to the season for them. Uh, Newcastle, uh, they picked up their second win, coming from behind to beat Whitehaven. 24-16 down at halftime, so that's some second half from the uh, Thunder. Uh, Fev beat London, 30 points to 12. Concerned about London blocking lots of long-term fans on Twitter, apparently, which seems an odd thing to do. But uh, another win for Featherstone. Professional win, I think you'd say, again, in the conditions. And obviously last night, um, Widness winning at Dewsbury. 
Um, Jews were getting two and a half thousand or something. Mm-hmm. Cheap tickets, get a crowd in for the telly, loads of kids around, brilliant. Um, and, and witness four wins from four. What a start to the season for them. Obviously not having the best of times in recent years, but um, you can't get better than four wins from four. And there they are, top of the championship with Fev. Well, they finished last season really strongly, and, and I think they've carried that into this year. A couple of really important signings as well, but an experienced squad. You, you, you look at the names down going down the team, you go, yeah, I, I, I didn't realise they were there necessarily there, or, oh, he's still there. And, you know, Matty Smith in the Championship is still a threat. You know, he can control the game. Um, I, I think we'll see... Um, the disparity between those who are full-time and those who are part-time over the next couple of weeks. Um, it's becoming a little bit evident. Lee celebrated two 40-point wins by going out and buying Kristen Inu, um, which, again, is not going to make them any weaker. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think um, the weather did did play play a, a part this, year, this weekend. Um, clearly... You know, Workington are struggling a little bit playing at, at, at this level. London are as well. Um, Bradford will be an interesting case in point because um, their, their game was off. I think they would have they would have relished that. Um, I, I suspect they were as a potential banana skin if they'd mm-hmm. have played Barrow this week, who were were unbeaten um, and and restless natives. If if the Bulls had gone down at home again. Um, they get the chance, I think, that they'll win at London in the Cup this week um, to rebuild again. But, yeah, you, you don't want to let Featherstone and Lee possibly winners get away from the rest of the pack if if the rest of the pack amongst them have got ambitions to perhaps hunt for a promotion place. But it, it is looking that those who have recruited the best are, not surprisingly, at the top. Fourth round of the Challenge Cup this weekend. The TV games, Batley versus the Navy on the on the BBC. Uh, York versus Newcastle on the Sportsman. So they'll be good, hopefully. Uh, Saturday, North Wales versus Hunslet at Coldy Rebunion. I don't know where, apparently somewhere on the Wirral. I don't know where that is. but uh, Near Rebunion. Liverpool. Near Liverpool. Uh, oh, Liverpool, where uh, oh, maybe Dr. Kukash can pop in. Um, Doncaster, oh, Whitehaven. Oh, he's back. He's, I saw him uh, on, uh, told Derek's Twitter the other day. Out in Dubai. Um, Doncaster Whitehaven, Halifax Fev. That's always tasty. Hunslet Parkside versus uh, Sheffield Eagles. London Bradford, Rochdale Barrow, and Working versus Jewsby, the other cup games, uh, along with uh, Lee versus Witness, which is the premier game on uh, Monday. And hopefully uh, hopefully all these storms stop storming and we, <laughs> we get a full card of fixtures. I think, <laughs> I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to get cold, but we, cold, I think we've okay. lost the worst of the storms. Lee Witness will be a fantastic mm. game. Because not only would that be a great game if it was in the championship at the moment, but the fact that that is winner-take-all cup tie, um, that that will be worth watching. Super League this week, it is Leeds versus Catalans. That's a TV game on Thursday. Wigan versus Huddersfield on Friday night. Hull uh, KR versus good, Castle good Atelier. Good luck to Catalan flying into Leeds Bradford Airport <laughs> if it's windy. Is that, that that might get more viewers as well than uh, the game because people love what, watching. What, that what's that website that everybody's watching at the moment? Big Jet TV or something? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll take the, I'll take my phone down to Leeds Bradford and uh, and filming and, and live stream. We'll get more viewers than we do for talking about rugby. Hulky um, versus Cass on the telly. That'll be a big game on Friday. Obviously, that, that is a big game because actually neither can really afford to lose that. Well, if you surprisingly have as a better record at St Helens than you'd think, we, we won there a few years ago. But you know, uh, James Child penalty try it was out. Oh, it's great. 
That was a great one. I think I did commentary on that on my own because I couldn't get a summarizer. Um, Hull versus Salford on Saturday. Toulouse versus Warrington. Is it on TV or not? He doesn't look like it is. Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think any of, Toulouse, any of Toulouse's games are on. Right. Uh, so that, that's 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 the matches coming up this week. Is there any news um, that we haven't So People will say, where's Scoey? He'll be back, not next week, but the week after. He's got, um, I think, Des Drummond's funeral yes. next week. And he was at Dewsby um, enjoying the hospitality, wasn't he? So uh... He was. Um, yes, he was uh, looking forward to the... What did they serve at Dewsbury? I, I didn't see Premier doing their food review. Um, he was at, he was at York as well, apparently on the Sunday. So he's uh, he's getting around. Oh, he's a, he's everywhere. He's rugbyed out. Um, no doubt he'll probably be at Lee after the funeral on on Monday. I thought with the game being on there. He is. Uh, that's that. He is. He's staying over for that very reason. Um. Oh yeah, the wheelchair super league's been launched, which is ah, exciting. That is great news. Uh, and again. We look at other areas of the game as potential templates for the sport. I think when we said um, the Women's Super League was going to have a Southern section grafted onto it, that that was actually quite exciting for what a Super League might look like in the future. Well, the same has happened now with, with the wheelchair. They've gone to seven teams, but the most exciting team in there, I think, is the London Roosters. The Roosters. Because they've looked at the talent that's coming through at Medway, the talent that was coming through at the Argonauts, and they've decided to make a super club uh, that will be able to compete in the Super League. And you mm. suddenly think, ah, our wheelchair and, and potentially women doing what the men dare not do. Um, but that's quite exciting. And that is part of a, a wider blueprint of how they see um, the sport spreading into um, four countries with divisions of 10. Um, and they've started that process. And I, I haven't heard any dissent. I haven't heard an Argonaut come out and go, um, I don't want to be a rooster. Um, I think they can see that by by pooling their resources, they've got more chance of reeling in the Wiggins and the Hulls and the Leeds and the Warringtons. Uh, North Wales are there as well, um, so which, which is great. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I'm really excited about um, this wheelchair Super League because it leads into the World Cup and... Um, I think the, the profile that wheelchair has already got is going to be enhanced with a team called London in their Super League. And that is a lesson for the men's running game to learn. Fingers crossed we'll have some guests in the next few weeks ahead of the season. And Leeds are playing their games at the uh, the university in the city centre, aren't they, rather than uh, out at Morley. So as if yeah. Morley's like millions of miles away. So well, but that's, they, but that's good. Are- that's good. They're, they're training at Leeds Beckett as part of a, a deal that um, that will see them get the access to the very best facilities. Um, clearly the same as the, the national team are getting and they will be the team to beat. But uh, yeah, there's a bit, there's a big link with Leeds Beckett University and that school of science there. And it, it having been up there, it is an absolutely incredible facility for all sports. I'll try to get down there uh, at some point with my uh, camera. Um I mean, we're not too far away from the Women's Challenge Cup getting underway. I think it's a couple of weeks' time now. So, again, hopefully speaking to some people ahead of that, um, because that'd be nice, but I don't know what's happening. Um, So we'll we'll see. That's that's, that's taken as a given on on all fronts. I'm going to go to Cass versus Wakefield anyway, because we've got a, we've got a chance of winning a game for the first time uh, this decade. So, so that'd be quite exciting. So... Uh, Got to your that. team, are, your team are worth watching. Yeah, but it's exciting. It is exciting. Exciting positivity. You see, even the negative story we've turned into a positive because it got completely blown out of the water by a kid in a car. 
They can't destroy us. Um, but I think that's da- it. Danny, Danny Levy's been unsuccessful in overturning um, the challenge to his grade C rating, so he will have a two-match ban for touching an opponent who was injured. Paulie Paulie's got three games over two bands. That's that's not good for York, is it? Um, good old Paulie Paulie. Um, apart from that, I don't think there's any other news. Um, the magazine no, is out, though. It is. It is. Um, I know it'll be on the screen. So um, anybody, if anybody wishes to, um, to, to, to send us some constructive suggestions as to how it can be better, we will be always open to them. Contributors... Look forward to, uh, to to seeing and hearing from you. But yes, uh, an, an episode that is almost every page mentions Channel Four. Channel Four. Um, they, they did all right again, didn't they? This week, you know, I'm sure, sure someone, some, someone will find fault somewhere in there. But I'm sure they they're looking forward to standing on a touchline and it not raining. I think what what people need to realise is live TV is a lot more complicated than just sticking a camera somewhere. And things don't always go to plan, but it's the, the interesting thing now is that they've got a month until their next game, and they're going to need to keep rugby league or Super League in the the consciousness of the Channel Four audience that's been attracted that isn't necessarily a rugby league one. And you're going to need more than Adam Hills mentioned it on the last leg every week. You are going to need to see it on Goggle Box or uh, whatever cross pollinate pollination they can do that you know we, we need people on Steph's packed lunch just to keep rugby league going until the next game is on so it'd be interesting to see how they do that get one I, of those I think they've got plans to do that they've got that audience thing where they ask them questions get one of, get a play in there I don't know who oh, get someone on lo- I would say get someone on location location or location but we don't want anything to do with them just don't mention anyone on naked attraction not again not again um, Phil, pleasure as always. We'll be back on hopefully on Monday. There's no storms, and we can be back in the studio and talk live about things. But uh, other than that, it's, what 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 a what a positive thing. We started off with the negativity of idiots um, trying to defend the independence, and we start excited about a kid in the car. <laughs> this is the changing face of rugby league. Um, thank you very much for, for listening. Thanks to the person who left a review last week. I, I put on uh, Twitter, please review us, and someone reviewed it. Was it was it was it a good one? It was better when Mark Wilson was on. It said, but they still gave us five stars. Oh well, <laughs> so, fair so, enough. So, so I'll take that. <laughs> and they're probably right. <laughs> so, so, so well, I'm going one. back to I'm going yeah. back to eating dolly mixtures. Take the take the five stars. It leaves a review. Um, and yeah, and, and buy the magazine. It's an actual fungible thing as opposed to a non-fungible thing. So I still don't know what that means. But uh, enjoy your rugby league, fungible or not, and, and we'll be back with you next week to talk some more. And dress up warm. And eat dolly mixtures. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.